Initiating update. Three, two, one, go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Nerd On Update, our weekly show in which we talk about the nerdy news that excites us and and to answer your questions. Mm. From you. We don't do introduction. Wow. We don't do words here. We don't do introductions here, so we're just going to get right into it. Yeah. The floor is everybody's. Uh, What do you you want? Yeah, who's first? You. I'm going to talk about a show that came out on August 15th. It's called Cannon Busters, Um, and it was created by the character designer from Boondocks and Black Dynamite, LaShawn Thomas. Major shout out. Um, This anime was made by a black creative Westerner, and that's a big, big deal. He got the. Is it legit anime? It's legit anime. It's a spaghetti western with sci fi that's reminiscent of Outlaw Star. You just said it was anime, not spaghetti western. (laughs) All right, get out. Um, But it's it's based off of his 2005 comic, the same name. It was rendered by Tokyo Animation, Studio Satellite, um, and co financed by Britain's Manga Entertainment and Taiwan's Nada Holdings. Mm. So he went and and it's, it's. on Netflix. So like he That's got dope. Taiwan, he got Britain, he got it uh, animated in Tokyo, and then got it on Netflix. So in he can America. get the fucking accolades of saying it's anime, bitch. It's it's anime. Don't at me. And there's actually Don't a character with me. Vitiligo on it. What's what? Vitiligo. Like the different um like they got Colored, like it's yeah, different. Oh, pigment. I knew it from Boondocks it's Vitiligo. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I have a Vitiligo. Uh-huh, no relation. Uh-huh. <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, so like it's a massive deal for. I mean, there's there's brown people. It's it's out already. In anime, it's out already. It's like yeah, yeah it's already out Have on August fifteenth. I haven't. The only thing I've seen thus far because I I want to binge the entire thing all at once, um, was the intro and the intro music is so. What's good. the intro like? Yeah, he's totally yeah, he's totally got it. Just listen to it. I, I can't describe that the it. The builder refuse. I understand. So I'm, I'm uncultured. Is it or? Black individuals not usually an anime. No, hell no. It's white as hell. Most of the time, oh. anime has actually been like fetishizing the Western influence over Asian culture, mm-hmm. as well as like the change from east to west. And so a lot of people are pale skinned But then also in Asian culture, people like me who are dark are typically seen as lower people. Right. There's there's a that. lot of classes stuff that goes on. With oh, that. Like, I did not know that. Yeah, it's intense. So it this, even goes down to hair color. Yeah. Oh yeah. Really. Yeah. yeah, listen to some Everything. Russell Peters sometimes. He breaks oh. it all down. Um, really? Wait, so is that a YouTube channel? It, He's a comedian. So this, oh, okay. this person, LaShawn... LaShawn Thomas. LaShawn Thomas did Boondocks. He was... he was. Uh, let me look at my notes again, just so I say it right. Old character designer from the Boondocks and Black Dynamite. So his animation style, art, art design, will kind of look a little bit like that? Um, no, he actually went to Korea to mm. study. Oh, shit. Because a lot of anime is actually outsourced to Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, so he studied how to do like Japanese animation there. Oh, wow. Um, and then got the anime style down, and That's then dope. this came out, and it was very interesting. So, I mean, good. I really love the Boondocks character design, and I, you know, so I'm like very much about it. Okay, I, I'm looking at it. Oh, you know what? I just saw the trailer for that. It yeah. actually looks super dope. It's oh, about yeah. uh, uh, an android trying to find her, uh, another android. Mm-hmm. And, and like this like guy prince. is immor- like the dude with the crazy hair that looks like a mix between Spike Spiegel, uh, Gene. No, it looks like, looks like Afro and, Samurai. And uh, like, yeah, he like uh, that, all that, of the characters that, that, look that's so That's the great. person that they're looking for. I saw the trailer. Right. Yeah, it looks Philly, dope. Philly the Kid yeah. is his name. Nice. It's fucking yeah. dope. And nice. they like drive around in an American Cadillac that turns into a mech. Okay. Like, what? 
Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it looks so how, good. How many episodes do you know? Uh, I think it's 12, but I could be good. wrong. Good. Um, Short is good. And yeah. it leaves on a cliffhanger so far as I've been told. And it's all out already? It's not one week by week? It's right out. Okay, it's cool. out right now. Cool. Like, you can watch it's all Netflix, of it. Netflix, right? Typical uh, Netflix fashion. Yeah, Netflix yeah, yeah. doubling down on that anime. And, and, and Netflix has already greenlit another project from him, um, Yasuke, based on a true story of an African samurai in feudal Japan. Is it Yasuke um, or Yusuke? Oh, it's Yasuke. 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 It's a black samurai. Uh, designed by animator Koike and produced by Mapiko. I'm pretty sure that's like a pretty popular concept, I think, or a story. Because there's a lot of like dudes I know who are black. They're like, they call themselves Yasuke the Bee. Right. And I'm like... Is that a thing? It's a thing. And I'm like, I guess it's a thing. It's yeah, it's it's based on the true story. So that like he's gonna be making that. Can and I, I can't think of a better person to do it based on this. Can I jump on top of what you're doing do if you're done with your Netflix stuff? Uh yeah, I think I'm done. Are you, are you sure? Because uh, <laughs> my thing is like a yes. tidbit, but then it could go into that mine and then I could give up. Add go, that go, go. tidbit, Tom. Um so Netflix just announced uh Kevin Smith. And Mark Bernardin, who oh, run yeah. Fat Man Beyond, the podcast, and also Kevin Smith, who's done Clerks and Mallrats and all the other things. The and combo the soon to be the Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Reboot. Um, got his claim through Sundance. I was like Mark Bernardin, who's uh, got his claim to fame. Like he did a, a Star Trek uh, internship a long time ago in the '90s, and then he's written like stuff for Castle Rock, Treadstones, a new uh, Born show, which only focuses on the company that creates like the Born agents and all mm-hmm. that shit. He's done comic books. He's, uh, he's doing Andorra and the. Something, something, where he's talking about his daughter. But it's finally been announced that him and Kevin Smith are going to do a He-Man animated series for Netflix. Oh. I think it just dropped today as we're recording it. Um, But yeah, that's one bit of thing. The one thing that I wrote down in our G Drive was that, hey, did you guys know Resident Evil is getting a reboot? Yeah. Wait. Wait, I did. What? I I read that today, (laughs) but I... I just saw the headline. So. Resident Evil. The, I didn't yeah. know it was a reboot. I thought yeah. it was another part of the Sc- Mia Jovovich. Screen Gems films. Uh, Sony proper owns them. Mila Jovovich, yeah, as we know, like based on the quote, kind of loosely based on the video game, is getting a, a full movie reboot. Franchise wow. reboot. So Mila Jovovich. Is she jo- part of it? I don't think so because her character is completely fictitious. Yeah, I know. Um, right. And I just so like her in those movies the a lot. director. Badass um, shit. Director is uh, Johan Roberts, who recent, who did 47 Meters Down, and the recent sequel, 47 Meters Down, colon, Uncaged. So oh. all that thing about Shark Week and how sharks are good, not anymore. Down the those tubes, movies. baby. That's why I never went and saw him. Um, but he also did uh, 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 The Strangers, the sequel to The Strangers with Liv, Tom, uh, Liv Tyler and uh, Scott Speedman. Uh, the 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 night hunt or whatever the heck it's called, but he's going to be helming it. Um, Dope. The so people at Sony are going to be completely doing a reboot of it. They're going to go for more darker, uh, closer to the the, the video material. game. That's what they said. It's going to be much more scary. And there was actually more like a survival than a well, action RPG. G- there game. was <laughs> there was a lot of announcement that a year ago James Wan was attached to produce it. And um, there was a writer attached to write it, but then they both have dropped out and said, like, we're not touching it. So the director says, hey, we're fully in active Dope. production. So That's good to hear. We'll see what happens. Um, I think it says active development, which is different than active production. Development is like when Marvel's like, hey, it's 2014. We're going to come out with Captain Marvel. And then eight years later, hey, we came out with Captain Marvel. So development is that very early stage of like, hey, let's talk about what direction we're going to go in. I would love it if they actually went with like each movie as a video game in a sense or like a part of a video game. Maybe maybe each Mm -hmm. trilogy they do is like Star Wars, but it's like one's a video game. Interesting. 
Hmm. I like that. Kind of be yeah. cool. But we'll hmm. see. I'll go next. Mine's pretty short. Um, remember a long time ago, E3 2019. Super mm-hmm. long ago. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Squaresoft, they or Square Enix, they announced that Final Fantasy VIII is finally getting yeah, that remaster. Mm-hmm. And of course, wow. me, me. That's the one I started on. So I'm more, I'm excited. Me and Corey both lost our minds. Very excited about this. But recently, Square, in a very humorous way, uh, made an announcement of the remastered graphics. And they re-make, reawakened an old meme that is the, you're the best looking guy here. And then it zooms in and it's just like this really pixelated face. Yeah. Like the old graphics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They re-released that meme, but with the remastered. With the new graphics? With the new graphics and it actually looks dope. Like uh-huh. I'm like. I'm going to look it up right now. This it, I'm just really excited because Final Fantasy VIII really is one of my favorite in the whole uh, franchise of Final Fantasy. I mean, you know that I've talked ad nauseum about Final Fantasy VII, but my next one would probably be FF8. And I've always been like, please do that one. Please do that <laughs> one. And it's been such a strange thing because they lost, since they lost the the master, it's like we didn't ever think that we were going to get this, but it's I think it's actually might be a good thing because now they actually get to like clean it up for modern so graphics. So it does look good. The, the, does the meme kind of go with the blurb of like them being like, hey, this is the release date or? No, there is no release date. They're just showing off that the graphics are it's remastered. Being made. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're working on it. So yeah, development update. Yep. So uh, anyway, uh, that's my news. I'm excited for that game. Uh, mm. My news, y'all, listen, listen, turn your volume up. Listen to this. It's very important. Close your oh, doors. Okay. Turn off your lights. Uh, wow. As you all know, Disney Plus, their streaming service, hitting the shelves November twelfth, twenty nineteen, launching with The Mandalorian. Very excited for this. Uh, no longer excited for that show. I'll tell you why. What? Ray Park. Uh, because something that I've been wanting to happen for I don't know, probably like ten years, uh, is is in the works. Disney is in talks with you and McGregor to return for a show on Disney Plus. What? As Obi Wan Kenobi. <gasps> Um, So for me, I've always wanted an Obi-Wan movie between uh, where we left off and where we pick up in the prequels to the original trilogy, right? Uh There's some time there. There's some time. Even Ewan McGregor has said he's wanted to do a movie for quite some time. If they were ever to ask him, he's like, I think there's a good story between me and Alec Guinness that we can tell, right? So a little bit older. He's like, uh, there's age differences between like the prequels and the the originals, meaning like... It's there's okay time. for him yeah. to... There's time. He's aged, of course. There's but 20 years or whatever it is. Yeah. Luke's like 18, 19, right? Or yeah. supposed to be. Yeah, and so they like, just marvel him up, have Luke Hamill come back. And Luke Hamill. <laughs> yep. Luke Hamill. Wow. <laughs> Luke Hamill come back. No, just have Mark Skywalker come back. And yeah, then exactly. Oh my God. Just to give him the Marvel treatment, and then he wow. can be baby Luke again. It'll be perfect. Uh, so I'm, I'm, that's, there's not much details besides that they're in the talks, but the fact that the talks are happening have got the entire internet buzzing. I'm super stoked about it. It's it's like the one Star Wars story besides the Old Republic that I really am interested in seeing. I yeah. was just thinking, you know what I would love if they were to take this template off mm-hmm. of? If they do it like Eatmon. Hmm? Eatmon with him, but then it comes yeah. down to like dark, at the the finality of the season or the series, what, whenever it's done. What's Eatmon? Let me finish. Okay. Finishes Darth Maul. Ends. Yeah, right. That's but, where it should end. So Eatmon is a martial arts... Uh, He's he's a human, a person. Okay, uh, it's the guy who actually trained Bruce Lee. 
Oh. Um, but they have a, a, a series, series of films that go off of, uh, that they have right now. And Donnie Yen stars in them. And pretty much the story of Eatmon is pretty much like he's this great martial artist, but he, he could do nothing during World War II. Mm. Or during a war. It's definitely not World War II. During a war. And like with all his like martial arts skills and all that stuff, like the people around him still suffer. They starve. The military still oppress them. Wow. And it wasn't about him like beating up all the guys. It was about him trying to strengthen his community. Wow. And I was like, they do that with Obi-Wan. Because yeah. the Empire won. And there's nothing he can do about it but other than stand for his… Yeah, on Tatooine. On his, Living his, in a fucking oh. cave. Little milk farm people. Yeah. Oh. This week so on the cave. A little, a little more of that. A little more sabotage. Maybe like, he opens up the Tashi station. I was, <laughs> I, but I always, I always, I had this whole like outline for an Obi Wan film where it was a little more uh, Logan sp- spy thriller type of thing because he's oh. not out there. He's a little older, right? Yeah. yeah so yeah. you know how he's like sneaking around the base in uh, uh, New Hope. Yeah. And he's like a little more of that. A little more like mm-hmm. espionage yeah. type shit. And then you have your final encounter with Darth, Ma- Darth Maul at the end. Because that's where it has to end. But oh, I said Darth no. Maul as in like Ray Parker comes back. Yeah, Ray Park. Ray Park. But not Darth Vader. No, I said Darth Maul. Oh, okay. Yeah, Darth you Vader. have to end with Darth Maul at the end. And then he just puts away the lightsaber. Yeah. And, and then, it. you know, you have a hint at whatever New Hope was. And at then the very end of Robot it. Luke throws it over the cliff. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Right, perfect. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> questions. That's questions. my news. That's it. Next. I'm just excited. That's so There's no, I, lo- I love you, Ewan. There's no Ollie this week, <laughs> yeah, so no. we're going straight to questions. Straight to questions, and to explain this a little bit, uh, you can submit your questions. They can be anything from our in-and-out order to what's your favorite movie to who would yeah. win in a fight. Like Which of your butt cheeks is your favorite? Speculative yeah. <laughs> nature uh, of Marvel, left, for sure. superheroes. Yeah. You can send those questions to questions at nerdon.tv. Our patrons, who are a member of the NerdOn Nation, they get first dibs. And so I'm actually going to start with a patron question. This comes from Christy P. Why does Tarantino use so much feet <laughs> in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? And in... Uh, everything he does. In Glorious Bastards and in Pulp, Pulp Fiction. Fiction. And in uh, Why everything. dirty feet, too? So, mm. uh, I mean, th- that's a recent... That's a pretty big question. I think it's a glaring question that a lot of people have in the audience you know, community who watched Tarantino films because it is kind of like a... Why are you so focused on feet? Why feet? Um, and I think a lot of people are asking, like, it, you know, to Tarantino, to his credit, is a masterful uh, director in, you know, some form or fashion. And people want to know, like, if there's a certain significance in narrative t- filmmaking. I mean, there's a lot of things you could kind of open-endedly discuss and talk about yeah. with that. I mean... Sometimes it is about him talking about like how he views like hippie nature or and all that stuff because the feet very highly like alludes. like with each story it signifies something different. Allude to that, but it also comes to tell you where if you've seen photo shoots between him and production stills, it's like him on the foot of a bed with someone's feet around his face, or like why does a character suck on a toe in a in the middle of Death Proof? You know, you never know. Yeah, um, oh. and it kind of. Begs the question of like, does he just really he's fetishize a, feet? Yeah, he's got a foot fetish. Sounds um, like. Would any of his movies be allowed to be on Twitch? Probably not. <laughs> um, Instant ban. But I, I honestly, in my fair uh, assessment of it, uh, art is or film is an artist trying to visually express who they are and how they view the world. And I think uh, feet. I mean, like. In in Pulp Fiction, it was like, you know, you got a foot massage. Yeah, I get it. I wouldn't do it, but I get it. Like, yeah. And why you want to kill somebody because of feet. And if like, you know, like, hey, whoever he's 
plowing at night if she got some good or he got some good feet you know what i mean blessed be they yeah um so i mean a lot of people there are a lot of scientists that agree that how a foot fetish happens actually is a rewiring of the brain mm-hmm. so like what? it started they discovered it because there was this one guy who was studying uh feet. phantom limb no phantom limb syndrome and apparently the part of the brain that would light up when they would test uh, how they reacted to, you know, they would hold up a mirror and poke their one hand and see if they could feel it on the other side where there isn't. Uh, there's a lot of interesting uh, studies around that kind of stuff. But they noticed the part of the brain that was lighting up for limbs, uh, hands and feet, was right next to the part that identifies genitals. Oh. Uh, and so they think that it's the close proximity in the brain. I mean, there's no solid Like the synapses, like something happened, like a... And it just kind of like combines them a little bit yeah. in your brain and your psyche. And so they think that's a possibility. A lot of people agree that that's most likely the case. Huh. Like the biological you know, Of course, there's some, there's, so, there's some, you know, in this sense, uh, you can have some nature versus nurture kind of thing. There can be something like Sigmund Freud type stuff in your yeah. past. But they say that the people who haven't had those experiences, uh, most of the time it can be brain wiring. Yeah. Wow. That, that is interesting. So it could be a number of things. Yeah. And both things. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's also like, why does Joss Whedon want to have dork, dorky dudes fall on beautiful women's breasts? Yeah. Because that's mm. what he wants. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. And Sometimes a cigar is just Tarantino a cigar. Tarantino just wants a feet. He wants a toe in his mouth. That's what he wants. Maybe. Well, I mean, he got it in uh, From Dust Till Dawn. But also, how many, how many other films, uh, you know, kind of sexualize feet? Not many. No. Maybe yeah. I was like, if anyone has we a quick game preserved for this, I'll be surprised. But it, it kind of, again, you kind of ask Josh that question. Josh like 12. Ask that question. <laughs> maybe. And I think there's a community. You guys go. There's a lot of people that do have, you know, sexual, you know, inkling towards feet. And yeah. I think he might want to just represent that more if he even has No king that. shame here. So. There's dozens of them. Dozens of us. Dozens. dozens! <laughs> a little rest development joke. <laughs> for you. Uh, but no, I think that's all. I, think it. That's I, don't, it I don't think there's that much narrative into it. I mean, you could kind of put into that where it's like the, that is a sexual thing. Like, the only thing I could think about close to that is um, have you guys seen uh, Bonnie and Clyde? Yeah. Yes. Faye Dunaway. And uh, nope. yep. Uh, there's a point where, so he's a rob, Bonnie and Clyde, robbers, blah, blah, blah and they're them. a couple. Yep. But there's a point where they're kind of seducing each other and he's seducing her with the thrill of being a robber mm-hmm. and he holds his gun out, but he holds it really close to his penis. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a phallic symbol, right? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like this is the sexual desire to have danger. And then she, as you do in those older films, is licking a lollipop. Yeah. And it's like those kind of things happen. So it's like, yeah, it's a sexualized look at it and it's voyeuristic in a sense for us to kind of see like through the lens that he's trying to offer us through his narrative of like, how characters are viewing other ones. It's like, if there's feet, you can kind of presume that that character is using it for a sexual use. Yeah. Mm. yeah. That's yeah. the only thing I can think about. That's, there's that's the answer to that. That's a fun yeah. reach for me. So. Uh, next question. And I found this one to be really touching. Uh, this is, comes from Mitchell G. Let's hear it. And I'm going to read the entire please. email. Please, please, please. It says, I'm about to start college for a degree for a job I like but I don't want to do. I decided on this job because it was easy and sounded adult and like a real job, but I don't want to do it. I've always wanted to create and build something and put my voice out there for someone to be something good in that person's life, but afraid, hence the other job. Because there are so many artists and writers and podcasts and YouTubers that I feel like there is no point. So my question is, how do you guys do it? How do you overcome the fear that you aren't making any difference and that you might wake up and have to stop creating something you love? And how can I do it? Wow. Deep. 
It, uh, yeah, it really. Holy schmoly. I was like, uh, we have to answer this. So, uh, yeah. first off. And I think all four of us will probably have an individual answer yeah, on how they yeah, do it. Yeah, for sure. Mitchell? Yes, Mitchell first G. First off, uh, thank you, Mitchell, for sending that question. Uh, I think it's a really heartfelt one. And, you know, we don't, we often say, like, you could send any questions you'd like, but definitely these, like, big ones make us have to retrospectively and introspectively I look have at to ourselves. think. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow, so it's really nice. Really yeah. well written. Uh, uh, you mind if I crack at it? I don't know please, if I'll have, please, please, please. if I might mince words or not. But um, I I was a kid. Uh, I was a young dude. You were? Uh, yeah. Um, wow. You know, everyone has their own sense of when they started being interactive with media. Um, you know, you could hear about like James Cameron and all these directors who were like, I picked up a camera and I shot something with my family. Or Lex Lane's like, I love doing live performances in front of my family at the pool and X, Y, and Z, whatever. Maybe my dad listened to me. David Mamet said, just put on a play. Yeah. So, yep. and like parents will like play music for them or they would perform songs. Um, for me, it was very much like I got a camera and I knew I wanted to be a director. But the first thing I did was like, I want to shoot stuff with my friends. And a lot of that time was like pretty much like photo video albums. I called them that where it's like I would shoot memories of summer and then I'd put put some perfect song that would kind of encapsulate that. Call uh, me out. You stay in yellow no, card? No? no. Okay. Sorry. More like <laughs> Hold a, my hand. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> More like uh, Iris Goo Goo Dolls. Dashboard gotcha. confessional. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dashboard confessional is good. Uh, but I just <laughs> did that. But that was like when I was like in high school and I was like 14, 15, 16 at that point. Um, and I... I lot of people like, oh, you should do this more. And then I started doing YouTube stuff. And then like I got into my foray with that. What I think I'm trying to get to is like no matter where you start, wherever you end up being is going to be completely different to where you're where yeah. you thought you were going to be. And you got to really kind of keep throwing as much as you can into it. Find something that you really love doing. And like I think about it as much as a starving artist idea where it's like, do something that you're willing to starve, that you're willing to eat cup of noodles every day yeah. for a year. Something that makes you lose time. Yeah, um, and do it. And the thing is, like, you don't know what dividends you're going to get out of it because the dividend that you should be getting is actually fulfillment that you're doing something that a lot of people wish they can do. Mm -hmm. So many people tell me that, like, oh, my God, Tom, you're doing something in your field. I'm like, no, I'm fucking not. <laughs> like, I am not. I'm, I, uh, to pay the bills job is very different than what I do here at the podcast, and I love what I do here, and I think I do it because of the intellectual discourse I get to have with people. But, like, doing something like this, it does take courage. And I think Lex Lang talked about it in our last episode that we had where he – said like when Kaylin asked when do you ever feel like you've done enough work to cut the character and he says after I'm done you will never know until you're done and the thing is you never know what you might like until you're done doing it I never thought I would be doing podcasts in like 40 years and then someone <laughs> said to do it at my old Apple store where I used to work at and then someone said to do it with the f current friends I have now and I'm like at the other Apple store you worked at, store I work at. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah it's it's tough. I think it's definitely daunting. And that is there is a courage to it. I mean, I think there's courage that people have of like going out there to sacrifice your life for the country you love and for the rights of people that you may never meet. But then creating something that puts yourself in a world that expresses who you are is another form of courage. And to go at it unabatedly and try to be fearless in that sense, it's courage. And it, it takes time. And I guarantee you, no one in the world who's a creator right now has ever been fully sure of themselves. Yeah. They've been for mm -hmm. sure of who they are, but then of what they're putting out there, everyone has that nail-biting moment. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's kind of a constant... I hate to use the word battle because it's not a battle for me. I mean, I've been a creative uh, for probably most of my life. I started acting when I was in junior high. And what it did for me at, at the get-go was got me out of my shell because I was a very, very... Um, 
shy kid. Introverted? Yeah, I was very, very introverted. And it got me out of my shell, and I just never stopped creating in some way, whether it was acting, whether it was music. Now with this podcast, Podcast. with um, other podcasts, my album, the stuff that I do, I work in the entertainment industry, which is dope. I'm really excited about that. But being a content creator or being something that is in a creative field, it is, I hate to say this, it's hard because what you have to do is, I know it's a joke, but it's like that, that grind. You just got to, you have to keep going. I don't think you should hate to say that it's hard. I mean, it should be. Most things that are worth doing are hard. Yeah. And um, it, it really is a constant, you have to remind yourself. Because I, I remember I, I had this friend who was a working actor that worked all the time. And you didn't know her. You didn't see her. But she worked all the time. Made she, a was in a, she made a living from acting. Which is amazing. And I was like, man, that's really great. And she's like, you know, my family is always, they, they're always first to say, like, I'm so proud of you. You booked this. You booked that. And blah, blah, blah. And it's like. Don't be proud of me when I book. Be proud of me when I don't. Because in those moments and, and thinking about something that um, uh, another show, a friend, a friend of the show, the Bird Brain Podcast, uh. he talks about gratitude and he talks about being grateful for when things aren't going well. Yeah. And that's the thing about creative work is that it's not always going to be what we call those Christmas miracles that it's like, oh my gosh, this thing went viral or, oh my gosh, this person's on the show and it's doing really well. It's like those moments where it's like a slog. Mm-hmm. And I just want to share this, this really quick quote because it's a book that really, it struck me. And I read it a few years ago and it's called The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. If you are a creative, it doesn't matter what field, whether you're a writer, an actor, a musician, a podcaster, anything, content creator, you are an artist. I really suggest you uh, read this book because he talks about the resistance. He calls it the resistance that happens in creative work. And it is kind of what Mitch is, is bringing up. Like, what's the point? How, what is the point of me doing if this? If you read Artist's Way, it's called The Censor. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. But one of the the last chapters he essentially sums up is, Creative work is not a selfish act or a bid for attention on the part of the artist. It's a gift to the world and every being in it. Don't cheat us of your contribution. Give us what you got. I and like I that. just, yeah. it's, it's a reminder that what we're doing may not make sense all the time, but we just, it means something to us and it only takes one person. Mm-hmm. It only takes one audience member like Mitchell G to reach out and to know that it makes all the difference. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree so, with that. That's Caitlin. my, my 10 cents. Uh, I mean, I've been on the artist track in some way, shape, or form pretty much since I was a kid. I didn't know what I was going to do. Hello, now. Uh, bass, Bait, how dare you? Um, <laughs> everyone says instrument. that, you jerk. <laughs> uh, but yeah, from 10 to like 17, I was on the classical symphony, going to be touring with music, doing tracking for... CDs and whatever. That was what I was going to do for seven years of my life. Why haven't yeah. you done it yet? Uh, okay. and, and then it's it, a commitment. Yeah. Well, and then I realized that's not what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was actually at the stage you are right now, uh, Mitchell, where I was like, I'm going to go to college and get a degree for something that I don't want to do for the rest of my life. And that was really hard. My parents were not happy because <laughs> yeah. I could have had a full ride scholarship on bass and I didn't want it. And it was the best decision I made because 
now, uh, I mean, there were a lot of things that happened after that point, obviously. I never planned to move to L.A. I never planned to get into acting or podcasting or, you know, any of the million of other things. Jiu-jitsu. I never planned to get into jiu-jitsu, but here we are like two years later. We still need you to play bass for the show. Right. That's fine. I'll figure out something. Um, But yeah, so just know what's right for you. Know that you're going to have to struggle to do what's right for you, especially if you're carving a new path in, in something that hasn't been done before. And know that what you do, specifically you, no one else will ever have done before. No one has. Like it's your way do you think of doing it. ACDC heard Beethoven and was like, ah, oh, they made music before. I can never make it again. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're right. There's self-doubt everywhere. There's yeah. self-doubt everywhere. Everyone's making something all the time. But it, it's kind of the, the thing where no one's a special snowflake, but everyone's a special snowflake. Yeah. Like everyone has something to contribute in their own way. It's Mr. Rogers. The the Yeah. You're the only you. You're the only you there is. And if you don't contribute what you have, then no one's going to see it. Mm-hmm. So really it's just find what makes you happy. And if what makes you happy is hard, know that it's going to be hard, but find a way to enjoy that struggle. To add on to that, uh, Jason Mraz often talks about like where you put your focus. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's, you can focus on the negative. You can focus on the the doubt. You can focus on that, but you got to focus on your mission. Yeah. Because the doubt will the doubt will drip in, and if you put your focus somewhere, you can kind of close up those those mm-hmm. cracks where the the doubt is coming in. And side note, I can't tell you how many times I've had friends, family, colleagues, all sorts of things be like, "Ooh, I don't know if you should. I don't know if you should do that. That sounds like kind of a risk." My dad doesn't understand what I do right. at all. And and that's okay. <laughs> like as long as I mean, obviously, take constructive criticism. Please take constructive criticism. But seek that out. Don't yeah. I would yeah. say people don't, will give it to you whether you're looking for it or not. Well, it's like right. don't fall victim to shit criticism. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of shit criticism. You don't need You can that. get constructive criticism from the people you trust. Right. Yeah. And, and those then are the pe- people you should And some people on. you don't trust. Yeah. And you have to like hear that out. But like there's gonna be people who actually know how to build on top of what you're doing, and then people who just doubt you. Yeah. Like, know those differences and filter that shit out. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I agree. Uh, I mean, I think you guys all said it pretty well. I'll share one quote. I'll go back to it. <laughs> that, uh, I'm going to keep going. Uh, <laughs> it, Good. You know, I think I, th- I agree with all your points. You know, it is hard. It is. Uh, but I, like I said, it should, it should be hard. It should challenge yourself. If it was easy, you'd get bored of it really quick. Um, but I'll share another I'll share another Jason Mraz quote here. This is the one that I always apply to everything I, I kind of do. I base a lot of decisions off, off this. Um, and it's a measurement of success, uh, you know. And there's a lot of people who tell you success means you have to have uh, money, X, X amount of dollars in your bank account. You have to own these things. You have to Mansion. like these things. You have to dress this way. Yada 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 yada. Whatever it is. Uh, but success is a simple question uh, that I ask myself at the end of of creating or doing things or at the end of a run or like Tom and I filmed a pilot and I asked myself at the end of that how I, you know the simple question is just are you fulfilled. And if the answer is yes, then you're successful. Because there's a lot of people out there who can't answer yes to that question. And that's what I strive to do is, at the end of the day, can I answer that I'm fulfilled? And if I'm saying yes, then I keep on trucking. And that's yeah, that's what it comes down to for me. It's like you're always taking... That's how I wake up every day. Nice. Uh-huh. To answer that question. That's how I wake up every day, knowing that someday, you know, uh, am I making a difference? On a global scale? Probably not. 
But on a personal scale, yeah, it means everything to me. I, th- I think it's those little milestones, not little, they're milestones to us, but it's something that we get to keep personally, intimately with ourselves mm-hmm. that we can do that with. Yeah. Like, Corey and I have talked about this ad nauseum where, like, I'm pretty polar opposite to everyone, I think, in the room that, like, I'm kind of self-loathing a lot. And it's not like, I hate myself, but it's like, I wake up and I do ask, like, what the fuck is the point of everything? And then it's like, at the end, like, we'll be in the ground longer than we are standing on top of it. Right. That's like how the yeah. world works. Mm-hmm. Um, and figuring out where your footprint's going to leave and how you're going to leave the world and all that stuff. That's what kind of grand scope questions I ask myself and asking those questions of like, how do you wake up and do what you do? Like, I want to do, I do want to speak on the other end of it. Like, I do know someone that was an actor and she decided that acting wasn't for her and she went to science field. She went back to school. And sometimes it isn't. And I'm not saying this isn't for you, but you really, to Caitlin's point, you got to ask yourself those questions of like, do I really want this? What's best for me? And am I going to be happy for doing what I want to do? Sometimes you find that out. Sometimes you don't. There's not going to be like this beautiful blanket answer that just like solves all your issues and gives you clarity for the universe. To, cosmic awareness. If life and, was that easy, it'd be really boring. It'd be really boring. And uh, true change is never convenient. True change sucks. True change hurts. And you have to grow through it and figure that out. And when that you find yourself like I joke about it but there's some people who wake up and find out like I want to be an actor and then it's like (laughs) then you got to go to school you got to figure that out you got to put the commitment you got to do that time yeah and Josh talked about it where it's like it's hard it's commitment it's grind but it's kind of like what are you willing to grind for that you really love and I think where it doesn't feel like a grind it is like from outside looking in, if somebody's looking at it, they're like, wow, you're work- working really hard. It doesn't feel like that to me. Well, it's kind of like if you want to get good at anything, you do grind to it, yeah. right? Leveling up in a video game. I want to get my character better archery skills. Like, I want to get faster at the mile run. I got to run more miles There's going to be the parts heat. of it that's hard. I mean, I love doing all this, but even sometimes editing episodes or, you know, getting the post social media post done for the week, it is a little bit like... Okay, I got to do this thing. There are days. It's not always perfect. Well, and you got to know that that's going to happen. There's well, going to be those days where... You're just not feeling it, but just know, you know, think back on the days where it does. I mean, bringing it back to Nerd On as a whole, I mean, there's been moments in in our history where we've tried things. Mm-hmm. And maybe a few months a few months later, we go, Whoops. how do we still feel about that? <laughs> yeah. And it's it doesn't bring as much joy. Okay. I know this is, this is cliches. <laughs> Marie Kondo, that I know. show. Yeah. Cliches. Does this spark joy? <laughs> Cliche as hell, but don't also don't be afraid to fail. We failed at a lot of things as a group so far, Uh, which is not a negative thing to say. It's just that we tried it and we didn't get it right. We went, "Eh, maybe it's not for us. Yeah, and we've tried other things. So be be ready for that. That's how you find out what works. And honestly, like uh, whether you try something now or later, like there is never such thing as too late. And there's never such like a lot of people will put that pressure of like you got to know what this is. I was put that pressure like all my life. Like from five years old, I was asked, "What do I want to be when I grow up?" Duh. And like Duh. thinking about it in retrospect, I'm like that's a shitty fucking thing to ask. Is like I want you to shut up. That's what I want. Um, I want to be a cowboy. But like the thing is, you can't. And this is the tough thing. It's very easy for us to say since we're doing it and we've gone through the trials and tribulations of you know going through college and getting ostracized and all this stuff. But like honestly. There is a beauty in the form of finding that fear that you have, that paralyzation that you are getting from it, and then trying to work within it and working through it because you can't let that fear of failure or that fear and doubt stop you from just trying. Like the excitement to try should always trump the fear of failing. Mm -hmm. And whether it works out or not, like when I did a YouTube channel, I found out I'm not cut out for this. And then like I said, no, because I got YouTube heat and YouTube trolls and YouTube comments and YouTube like beef with people. And I was like, 
this isn't for me because I'm not doing what I wanted to do. And I wanted to make films. Mm. And then I realized like that's not cool. And then like I don't want to do this stuff anymore. And then I started making films. And then like look at me now. I'm a fucking personality. Da, da, da. And then like I don't want to talk to cameras. But if I get to do it in some form or fashion, sometimes you find yourself doing it. Mm. And it's like the beautiful thing about art is that you get to do the things that you want to do and not the ways that you're thinking you're going to do it. Yes. Like yeah. cooking, so hard. cooking allows you to be a chemist in the kitchen. Like yeah. podcasting allows you to be a sound mixer for a TV show. And and all the lessons that you learn in the various um, failures or processes that you go through, I you're going to learn things from those things that you can apply to other things. Like acting has taught me one of the things that acting taught me, it taught me how to talk to people. It taught me how to communicate. Communicate. It taught me how to be myself. It taught me uh, one lesson I always remember from acting is they say, learn to love the process. Because mm. the performing part of it isn't actually, it's a very small part of it. It's the process yeah. of it. It's the rehearsal. It's the learning Getting the lines. Ready to do the- it's all of that. So learn to love the process. Yep. And so the process of us making, creating is the best part of it all. I, I would also say don't doubt your adult, quote-unquote, adult job. I have my, quote-unquote, adult job, too, and it pays the bills, and you got to do that sometimes to let your art survive. Like, you got to take care of yourself. You got to be in good mental health. Like, like tough things, like, if you, yeah, starving artists, I just mentioned that earlier, but, like, sometimes you got to pay bills. Sometimes you got to, you know, Make sure your car like insurance is there. Make sure your car is running. Make sure you can feed yourself. Make sure like you can shower. All these things go into that process. And like what Josh saying, you might learn something from that adult job that will help out your art later on. That mm-hmm. happens so too often, often. Too often. All the time. Um, and you, you you really discredit like there's so many things I've learned from my paycheck to paycheck job that I'm like, oh, this has helped me network with people and get like work on collaborations I never thought I was able to do. Yeah. yeah. So it's. Don't discount one thing or another. It's all part of the process. And if you want to go towards it, don't discount what path and journey you're going to take. Take a step. Yeah. Thank you for the question, man. Yes. Thank you so much, Mitchell G. We really appreciate it. Uh, We are going to make our way to the end of the show. I just want to thank everybody so much for listening, for watching, for whatever you do to support NerdOn. We really appreciate you. Uh, check out our website, nerdon.tv. It has all of the information linky about the, yeah, the linky links to social media, to YouTube, to Twitch, to all of that good stuff. Again, you can submit your questions to questions at nerdon.tv. Send them over. Like we said, it can be anything. But take, take care of yourselves, guys. Yeah. yeah. Girls, we love you. On that, you know the drill. As always, Nerd, Nerd On! on.